0: host of Real Friends, a podcast dedicated to sharing the real stories of real friends with a belief that each one of us really does want to be fully known and fully loved. Today, I share a delightful conversation with a friend of mine, Mona Langenberg. Mona is a single mother of three kids, a successful businesswoman, an athlete, and the catalyst behind Go St. Louis. She's also embarking on a new season of life with the belief that the ultimate finish line is love. Can you raise a family, run a successful business, and still have a second chance at a meaningful, loving relationship in life? Listen to my friend Mona Langenberg and discover for yourself. This is real friends. So how'd you and I actually meet? Do you remember? Well, my memory was
1: probably I'm sure we probably met before yeah. before all the the pandemic era photography stuff that you did which was the kindest mm-hmm. thing um but that's that's the that's my most yeah.
0: recent yeah yeah so it's probably been i agree with you probably been a relatively short period of time yeah but yeah um so the way i like to do this is um i like to go and kick things off kind of first with are you familiar with the five love languages have you ever heard that book
1: of course yeah i've never actually read
0: the full okay. book though that's fine um what i like to do is kick things off by going through the, the different the five love languages um, as an introduction to who you are okay and how you both express and receive love and so Ooh. For, right and so for people who are unfamiliar with the five love languages, it's a book written by Gary Chapman that groups our abilities to both express and receive love into five love languages and those are, physical affection yep. quality time words of affirmation acts of service and gifts okay so if you're ready we will jump, ready, oh gosh, okay <laughs> right, we'll just jump into these one at a time and then let me know whether that's something that's uh, it's important like it resonates with you or not both in terms of how you like to receive love and then also how you like to express it and share it so mm-hmm. first of all physical affection how important is that to you what's it look like these days? And how's it changed over time?
1: Oh wow that is a good question um what well it is it is it's always been important to me I'm an affectionate person I love people Um, my earliest memory of of that that I think I have grown into doing myself is my grandmother who's my namesake my real name is Monica Mm, and um, my grandmother's name was Monica and she always when she was talking to someone would put her hand on them like she would touch Mm -hmm. them she would either touch your your cheek or your arm and like I just like so remember that is this like sense of warmth and like and I do that to people now I I tend to less less so in a COVID era right? right but like I tend to like hold on to people when I talk to them and so that just to me like the closeness and the warmth has always been the kind of person I am um Right now, I also have three children who are, like, physically on top of you all the time, and so (laughs) when you're (laughs) being a a mother of of young kids, you kind of, like, are always and in, in a sense affection. of physical right. affection. Yeah. Um, so that's what it looks a lot like yeah. these days is people being on top
0: mm-hmm. of you. Um, and how old are your kids?
1: My kids are right now 11, nine and almost eight. Okay. So I got a real close tight mm-hmm. group, um, there. So yeah. yeah, in terms of physical affection, we're always high on that. I feel yeah. like everyone's on top of each other. Um,
0: so if there were a like a a hugger's hall of fame who would you put in your hugger's hall of fame who gives like the best hugs of anybody that you know
1: of everybody that i know um do you know
0: any good huggers let me ask that question first that's a
1: that's a great question i feel my i have a middle child who is like off the charts emotionally intelligent and kind and sweet and he's a great hugger Mm -hmm. i'll give i'll give sam
0: my my award on that good enough yeah enough Um, so the next love language is quality time what does quality time look like to you these days and are you somebody who when when we talk about quality time is that more doing something active like being outside sportish or something that's maybe more passive indoors reading a book watching TV
1: Um, I'm a pretty active person and I also am a talker so Mm -hmm. for me anything that's like quality time has to be like actually getting to connect i'm a big like it probably couldn't be something you know though i do find those things you were mentioning you know watching tv or just like Mm -hmm. useful they aren't necessarily to me like i am a big connector to people so talking and having time and also honestly being active i mean as a runner you know a, a lifetime of like being active and then to top it all off running with friends where you get to because i think we all connect and talk about things while we're running that we wouldn't otherwise so like the connection of those two things in quality time is like one of my favorite things on earth for sure
0: um so do you run with the same running group for the most part
1: um i would had i not been i'm kind of pretty injured still coming back from a almost two-year injury so um I do run with a lot of the same people. I would like to be running with them more than I am. Yeah. But the the ladies I run with, you know, probably uh, Stephanie Park, Kathy Spray, yeah. yeah. uh, C.C. Pasquale. Um, so I have been running with those guys for a long time. And I love, I, I just love getting to run with them. More More than the running, the time together yeah, is I know It is, is, is the best. totally It's awesome. the best, it's, yeah. It's
0: incredible. Um, so tell me more about the injury.
1: Well, it has been the most bizarre thing. I basically, for lack of a... Like, long, drawn-out, uh, it was never anything, like, acute. It basically was a breakdown of how my whole right side was, like, uh, my hip and leg were firing out of sequence, Mm -hmm. and so it turned into this, like, bizarre, like, uh, my core and hips are not strong enough, and so it was, like, basically over, I was overworking, like, quad and, um, uh, calf muscles, instead of using my core and glute yeah Yeah. and it just turned into this like bizarre um that unfortunately like then my entire system retrained itself to work the wrong way and so it's been a really weird process because it was so bad at times that i had to do like you know i've done mris i've done nerve conduction studies all to figure out like what could be like acutely wrong and it was never one of those things it was that the whole side of that system was firing so out of sequence that then as a result it was making muscles hurt in the wrong places and all kinds of things so it is a it is a a drag of a process to come back from because you're like retraining yourself and
0: so so how do you retrain yourself to recover from something
1: well like stopping every time it's not firing right no. to like try and like reset it and remind your brain to like fire your core then your glutes so no. it goes down the chain no. the right way no. it's no. annoying no. <laughs> no. i wish it was something that was like take four weeks off and then cut co- and it hasn't been right. it has not yeah. been
0: but not only so simple right exactly um so in terms of quality time who do you think you end up spending your best quality time with who feels like your love tank when you spend quality time with them
1: Well, I do think, I mean, as a parent of young kids and certainly the good and the bad of this whole COVID era has been that we've all been together so much more. And um, as a single mother right now, I have spent a lot of time (laughs) with with those three children, but it also forced us to slow down in a way that I don't think. So I've really tried to take a step back and go, wow, like that time that I had with them, you know, for lack of honestly, having much of a job to do for some of it because, um, the, my industry was pretty decimated for a while. So because of that, and just because they were home so much, um, I really tried to take a step back and go, wow, this is time we never would have gotten. And it has been great. Um, I have, um, I've been in a relationship for two years now, so I think that's probably my other source of quality time, having, having a grown-up to mm-hmm. actually <laughs> be around. So, um, so my boyfriend, Ben, who we've and we connect really well, even when we just sit and get to talk, which yeah. is lovely for me, and, uh-huh. and for, for getting to have that grown-up time when you're not with three kids by yourself. Yeah. So yeah. that's probably right. it for me, for
0: yeah. sure. Um, so that's quality time. The mm-hmm. next love language is words of affirmation or encouragement. So how important is it to have somebody to acknowledge, encourage um, uh, your successes and your accomplishments, and how important is it to hear those three simple words, I love you?
1: Ooh, wow, these are some great questions, Rob. Um, I think it's really important to me. Again, of course, okay. you know, you're hearing me frame all of this through the lens of someone who parents a lot um but uh
0: and it's who you are yeah yeah it's such
1: a big it's 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 the phase of life i'm in right but um you know having three kids who are so unique and and also because they're all really close together we tend to do developmental stages like at the same time, so I'm getting to watch. But what you see is that you have very you have three unique children, yeah. and so what works for one doesn't work for the other. And yeah. I think through that, like knowing how to use the right words for each kid yeah. to um, encourage mm. them the right way mm. has been so important to learn and so like changing to them. Like you can see when you're hitting the mark in terms of what that kid needs to yeah. affirm their. Um, qualities and skills like you can see when you're like okay that's that will that's what works for them and so i think that's been really big for me to see how important that is and how unique it is because everyone needs something different in that um but then you know with all that said at the end of the day how important is it to just say i love you over and over very yeah (laughs) and um i can't remember who i said this to last uh I think it was Ben. It was um, the, the two grown-ups talking, talking about, I don't remember how it came up, but it was this concept of, like, can can you say I love you too often? And my answer is always no. Yeah. How could you ever say too much of something? You know, yeah, um, no, how answer. could you ever say good that answer, too much? Right. So, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so in terms of unique, what is it that makes each one of your kids unique? Do you mm. think about what stands out in terms of each one of them?
1: Um, you know, I think... And again, it's cool for me because they are so close together. And so at the same time as you're seeing things like, oh, we do all these things together and we're, you know, there's similarities. Um, you are just seeing such vast differences. And Cece's my oldest. She's 11. And um, <coughs> I laugh because she looks like me. But I'm also extremely grateful that she is nothing like me. Um, she really has this, like, such a great sense of, like... Um, adventure and being willing to try new things in a way that I was not. And I love it about her. And so she makes new friends. She's willing to try new things and and be adventurous. And I I love that. Um,
0: That is awesome. It is. It's great, especially in
1: a a middle school age girl. It's great. Um, Sam, my middle kiddo, is uh, just the kindest, sweetest soul you've ever met. Mm -hmm. We're out on a hike the other day, and he starts asking, like, what's your favorite color and what's your favorite gemstone and what's your favorite. And he just, he legitimately wants everyone's answer. And then when you ask him like, what's, what's your favorite flower? He says, every flower, they're all beautiful. He just has this like old is just beautiful. And um, Patrick is my youngest and is a fiery third child uh, for sure, but is um, such a great deep thinker. And then also that kid, because he's not outwardly, sweet like the other two are that when he does do stuff that you just know it's it's such a like Special thing for him that he really is thinking all these things and then when he does something Oh, look at at what's inside Mm -hmm. him. It's cool.
0: That's cute. Yeah Um, So the fourth love language (laughs) then is acts of service How important are acts of service to you and how could somebody serve you well during your current season of life? whether it's a mom business owner single woman let's say I look a flyer.
1: yeah that's probably for me always the one that I pick for my like that's um I certainly it's the one I do for other people the best and it's probably the one that means the most to me mostly yeah. um <coughs> excuse me um so what was the first part of that question um just it? in
0: terms of like how could somebody what do acts of service look like how could somebody <laughs> serve you well during this mm. season life in your different roles as a mom, a business owner, just a single woman. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, the nicest thing for me, for anyone right now, is just to, like, sit down and listen to me. I mean, I, you know, you're you're constantly either with kids doing stuff or working for a small organization. You know, it's just me. Yeah. So just having someone... You know, listen to me vent or talk yeah. means so much right now um, when you don't have a lot of that. that that's probably the biggest thing mm. um, that are ringing me a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <does
0: that count?
1: laughs> like, um, just on
0: the outside, looking in, one of the things that I've observed just by attending some of the Go St. Louis events yeah. is you also have a pool of volunteers who seem very loyally dedicated and devoted to helping you out and yeah. uh, serving you in that capacity. Yeah,
1: so. you're right. And I, you know, I say um, to people, and you know, it's the same thing. Is I, I as a mother, and also um, leading a small organization and leading people in general, what I what I have noticed, um, which is both an inherent skill that I have and also something I love, mm-hmm. is that when you treat people the way you know, when you serve them, when yeah. you make oh, them yeah. feel yep. valued and loved, and so and and like like your family,
0: yeah.
1: They are loyal yeah. they will yeah. they will make sure um, and I don't do it so that they are that's but genuinely
0: authentic they are yeah.
1: right um, but you see that that's what people respond sure. to. Yeah. That's what makes people feel like they want to come back and yep. keep doing it yep. for sure I,
0: believe it. I agree. Um, and so the last gift is or excuse me the last love language is gifts. How important are gifts to you? Are you more of a gift card type of girl? <laughs> do you take your time to research, personalize your gift? And what's the best gift that you've both given and received over the past couple of years?
1: Mm, Okay. Um, I I love giving people gifts. I'm not a great receiver of gifts, though I do always love them um, and appreciate them.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: I don't know. I think, because I feel bad, like I immediately feel bad when I get it, even though that doesn't make any sense because people put thought into things, like just the way I like to put thought into things. so neither that makes any sense to um, feel bad about it, but um yeah, it's never that's a funny one because when the love languages and I know them, I never think of that. It's always like the yeah. last one. but um I'm trying to think of the best gift I've received in the past couple of years. I just had a fortieth birthday, so yeah. you'd think I would know. Um, um, Ben, my boyfriend, and my parents, thank you through a wonderful surprise party, which ah, was a lot of fun. So okay. that was a That's lovely cool. gift. Yep. yeah, yeah, and it was a big surprise. and it was a gift in and of itself that I like literally just had a birthday. It was the end of May. um and how lucky am I that in this very end of the pandemic, that I was probably the first one of all these people who True. were friends from yep. school and like who actually could do something real again. Yeah. and I was it did not escape or did not um <clears throat> go unnoted that, I had a lot of friends who had a 40th birthday in the middle of this and got Uh, to do nothing. And I was like, wow, this is... Good point. I'm lucky in that. (laughs) I'm sorry. I think I swallowed a bug Um, out here in this. Uh, But the best gift I've given was also, I'll tell you, during the pandemic, my dad turned 70. Mm -hmm. And um, it was like, it was last summer. So it was like kind of in that phase where people were doing things again, but being careful And we basically, my mom and I organized this event that was, so my dad and I ran a marathon um, when Uh, I was 20 something and he was 50 something in the south of France. And it uh, was in, so it was in Bordeaux and it had 26 wine tasting stations in oh, the marathon
0: my goodness so <clears> oh, no don't tell me you stopped at we East recreated East. it oh, we God.
1: recreated yeah. it as a walk from yeah. my house to my parents house yeah. and we had all of his friends and family at all the stations oh, to surprise cool. him along the way
0: yeah. and it I was like so fun yeah. so
1: that was probably the best gift i've given lately yeah. it yeah. was really cool to that's do.
0: good i like that yeah um and now your three kids if you're going to say what their top one or two love languages are what what would you say Ooh. for your three kids
1: <clears throat> Let's see. Um, Cece is probably acts of service. Um, what's the first one I always forget?
0: Physical affection.
1: Oh, not that one. What's the second one then? Quality time. Quality <laughs> She might be quality time too. Okay. Um, and then the two boys, it's physical affection on those okay. boys. Probably yeah. age-related a little yeah. bit, but... Yeah. For sure yeah that's good at least for right now
0: yeah okay so that's the the five love languages now what i'd like to do is talk about who you are right now so during the current season of life how would you define or describe mona langenberg um, do you see yourself as thriving exactly where you want to be or thriving but still have more to accomplish in life or somewhere in between <coughs>
1: Jeez, these are hard questions. (laughs) This is like life questions. (laughs) Rob, okay. We're going
0: to make the podcast interesting, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, I mean, you know what? I will be completely transparent. I am coming off of a really hard season of life. I um, have only been uh, divorced for three years. Um, And honestly, for me, the, the years getting into that happening were harder so by the time I got to that point which was yeah three-ish years ago um I think I had figured out a lot but then you still have to go through that whole process and then come out the other side and it um to me is is no mistake that I came out injured as a runner like it it just beats you up in every Mm -hmm. way possible as a you know and and not even, and I'm not saying this all from the like, it was a horrible experience. I think it's the, it was the right experience and everything was, and, and I did not even have a terrible situation, but it's still just like, it turns your whole world upside down. And so coming back from that, um, I think is a process. And so, you know, Definitely. when you're leaving, and also it, 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 it was also a season where like, Go St. Louis as an organization, like every event we did, like something we had one time you know the whole course was flooded and we had to change the marathon route and then we just like the season of life i was in was just like one thing after another where you're like am i standing under a black cloud like yeah. you know and um and so i think rebuilding from that yeah. while i 100 percent believe that those experiences are like where you kind of everything falls apart um, you learn the most you'll ever learn in your life from that. I've yeah. always believed that. Um, they're pretty miserable, but yeah. you—that's your chance to really say like what's not working and what is. Um, but then I think rebuilding from that takes a long time, and yeah. so I think while that was a long, long answer to this question. No, but I long think, answers.
0: I love long answers. Um,
1: I think that that that's still a process i think that even this many years later you know post-divorce our kids and um, my ex-husband drew and i are very good friends and um so everything is we have a great situation and and i'm so grateful for that but it's still a process as yeah. you rebuild that and and then um you know or are in your next phase of what you want to be yeah. i also happen to always believe as a person it's still an evol. there's never an ending there's never an end game it's just an evolution and the next phase so yeah. I wouldn't say I'm where I want to be, but I'm also incredibly grateful to be in a place years later out of that, out of that phase. That's like, you know, th- you can, you can see the lessons you got from it yeah. and you can like, you can clearly look back and go, okay, that's why, you know, that need to be that way.
0: So what do you think were some of the, the chief lessons then that you learned from that season or experience in your life? Well, hmm, that is a really good one. How, um, how old were you when you originally got married?
1: 25 okay. 25. 26. Um, you know I think um,
0: like I think we can go through anything in life as long as at the end of it we can ask ourselves okay, what I really learned from that Yeah and like what you say, don't continue to keep repeating the same mistakes going forward.
1: Right. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing I learned, and it's it's funny, having now been through that whole process, I can say at the end of this, and I would say I don't ever like telling other people's stories, so I won't, you know, mm-hmm. for uh, Drew, my um, kid's mm-hmm. dad. Um, but like, I think both of us would say at the end of it, it was an interesting process to live through in that people immediately, the first thing they say to you, the first thing anyone says to you is, what happened? Mm-hmm. And we didn't have that story. We didn't have that, like something terrible happened. And the reason people ask that is because they want to know how to avoid it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's They're asking about themselves, not about you. Um, so note to anyone who knows someone going through that, like, don't ask them that. That's not, you know, that's not a productive thing to ask someone. Um, but, but as a result, like what I learned was, you know, Drew and I are both, um, it, we weren't, um, it, we weren't, gonna grow in the same way we both needed to grow anymore um and 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 that needed to be i needed to let go of needing it to be the way i expected it to be and that that everything was supposed to supposed to is a terrible word right Mm -hmm. um and know that we could all be okay but that it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna look like this picture of what i or everyone wanted it to be you know um that it needed to be okay that none of us were serving each other well to stay in that. It was not, you know, we weren't going to be our best selves. Um, I'm a perfectionist by nature. And so like needing it to look a certain way, needing everyone to like, and you know, it's almost like it would have been easier if there had been like, yep, this happened and that's why, and it didn't. And it was really hard for me to say, you know, this is not, no one's being their best selves. And that can also be, unfortunately, a reason why that, you know, we need to, to grow into the people we're next going to be. This is not, this is not going to be good. And I think that was really hard,
0: Yeah. Um, really hard. Um, so part of my story is I've been married and divorced three times. Okay. And so I'm familiar with the whole divorce process. And I wouldn't say that there's anything um, positive about the whole leading up to divorce and divorce itself. But then afterwards that you can still go ahead and again, learn and heal and, um, try to be the best person that's been created to be. So, right.
1: Um, Yeah. And I think it's such a, um, thanks for sharing that. I think it's such a misconception, um, that if you just worked harder, if you just, um, done something right or differently, Um, that it all would have worked out. And so I think that was, that was a really hard part for me to live through too, because again, as a perfectionist and, you know, I I didn't want it to be because like we failed. It wasn't about that. Um, and I think that was hard, but for me knowing that I could it was just a, it was a better version of all of us. Um, hard for the kids. You can't take that away, but, but for the rest of it,
0: um, So I was going to ask you about this later, but since we're kind of on the topic, um, relationships. Um, You're currently in a relationship Mm -hmm. with Ben. What does dating and relationships look like in 2021? (laughs) What's the biggest challenge surrounding dating and relationships, especially as a mother of three? You're a business owner. I'm sure you have a full, busy life. Yeah. Um, And then even, like there are a lot of people who, when they get divorced, there's a lot of brokenness that they then carry into their future relationship Um, how do you deal with stuff like that Woo,
1: good one
0: is it as simple as swipe left and swipe
1: (laughs) well okay I'm going to be honest with you I didn't do much of that so I was um, Ben and I have been together for almost two years now and um, uh, to me honestly the the, and I am like pretty like I can't think of the right right way to say it. Like, I, I'm... Not old-fashioned. That's the wrong word. But, like, I don't know. I just... I don't think I would have been much good at, like, going out and dating a bunch. So I don't really have a good answer to that because I didn't really do it much. Um, I'm very fortunate. That never appealed to me either. Yeah, I just – Ben and I connected, like, immediately well and –
0: Did you meet through friends? Is that how you met?
1: We did actually meet online. Yeah. um, But, Mm -hmm. like, my experience in that was, like, a month long. Like, so I'm lucky I didn't – because it wouldn't – it did not (laughs) appeal to me. Um, I would – and he, like – I, like, hate telling that story. So you're (laughs) lucky you got it. I could have made up another one. He'll he'll be – he'll be – he loves, have, he he loves it. You. Oh, totally, totally. Um, but uh, so, no, so I don't really have a great dating story in, in 2021, um, other than that I'm sure it is bizarre. I've heard of a couple people doing it, but mostly I think doing most of our relationship was in the middle of a pandemic, so that was a unique experience. But actually, I think the, the trickier thing now, both tricky and also the best thing, is that you have got two 100% grown-ups. And that is both tricky because you're pretty established
0: yep. in, your, yep.
1: in your ways and your patterns and, and like just living life kind yes, of things.
0: right. Yep. But
1: also wonderful. Um, and I'm grateful to Ben because we are both um, off the charts, emotionally intelligent and pretty self-aware. Yep. So I think in that grown-up sense, it's like you both have the best of those worlds because we're pretty, both pretty functional. That does not mean we both don't have things, as you were saying, that we carried through yeah. that, like, you have to take a step back and go, yep, I dragged that from my, all of my past. And yeah. and I think, but then at the same time, I think we're both really good at articulating that and talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Ben is um, a professional actor by by mm-hmm. trade, by career. And so is off the charts, emotionally intelligent, <laughs> um, uncommonly so for most men. Um, but but then with so I think we've got that unique, like ability to to talk things through. But on the flip side, it is like too like, you know, you're in this middle age stage where like you're really established in the way you do stuff. So yeah, it, it works. Right. It's a it's a it's the best and worst part about right. it. Um, I to have that.
0: that. I think that is one of the challenges of dating later in life. One is that people do have like this rhythm to life. Like you have kids, you maybe have grandkids, you mm. have this whole, you know, stuff that you've established, even something as, that may seem like is that it doesn't matter, like your whole retirement account. Do you want to <laughs> risk that going into another re- relationship? On top, Not to mention on top of the fact, people a lot of times are, you mentioned self-awareness, Yeah, but people are broken. I don't think people realize just how healed they are until they get into a relationship Mm. where people start pushing not even intentionally just an actual rhythm of a relationship against some of the things that as a private person just haven't had to deal with yeah so if you don't heal it's the way we heal i think it's great to go to counseling and everything but the way we truly heal or find out how healed we are is in relationship and i think there are just a lot of people who if they smell anything that seems like a previous bad relationship they're like i'm out of here yeah
1: right. you know what i'm that's a really mm-hmm. good point and i'm glad you said that i think um you know both ben and i entered into this and to for the record there is no one who enters into anything who hasn't had crap from oh, right. like no one Absolutely. no one right um but i think the interesting thing that i realized and i have had um i've had my fair share of of just my own stuff to deal with as a person i had an eating disorder for i mean i'm a I was a runner like no surprise Mm -hmm. so i've i've been both in like formal like treatments i've I've done it all and i say all that to say that i think then it does come to mind that you're like okay i got to fix all my stuff i got to know exactly Mm -hmm. what i'm doing and what i learned in doing this and one because i had only been out of a marriage and the aftermath of divorce for not that long when ben and i started dating and um and then also for him knowing some of his past what I've learned is that the healing comes in the doing. You do it again, and you're like, nope, I can I can see my own stuff. Yeah. You have to. You can't just yeah. not do it until you're all better. Yeah, absolutely. You have to. Right. And I put all better in air quotes for, yeah. since we're on, <laughs> since we're talking, not looking um, for anyone listening. But you you have to you have to live it. Yep. You can't Amen. just yep. wait Agreed. until it's done or you know you have everything figured out and Ben and I talk about that a lot we're like you know because it's scary to go into something and be like ooh, but I screwed up this or I you know I don't know how to do that yet or I haven't had the time to figure it all out and those are all really important things to have had the time to reflect and to figure out some of your own stuff and some of us like the reason I even mentioned that I've had a lot of that in my past is that I do think those are all important, but they're not the only thing. The yeah. other part of it is just doing it, yep. living it. Yeah. And figuring it out as you go. Yeah. You know, and.
0: So I do want to touch on part of your earlier life before, but before we leave the whole relationship topic, do you think that there's a, there's a quote, I don't, don't know if you're familiar with the author, Tim Keller.
1: No, I don't um, think so. But he
0: has this saying that to be loved, but not known. It's kind of cutesy, right? It's kind of like a Disney type love to be known but not loved. That's kind of like everybody's biggest worry and fear. But to be fully known and fully loved, I mean, that's kind of what all of us crave. We want to be able to show who we are at our best and our worst and know that there's somebody out there who truly loves us and accepts us regardless. So do you believe, especially after having been divorced once, um, that you can fully trust and fully love someone for the rest of your life?
1: Absolutely, I do. Um, But I think the thing that I'm learning, (laughs) you can go back to that in my past, but I think that I think that I'm learning is if you don't believe that yourself, you're going to have a hell of a time convincing someone else (laughs) to. Um, And I think, so I think for sure I do, but I also believe that that is an evolution. That is not an end game either. It's not an end game to say like, yep, there's going to be, because it's going to come and go. And, and if, you're not able to also not give that to yourself, but like know that you're worthy of it or that, that it, that, that that it, even if it is over there, like what's the point in, in, in having that exist if you're not going to believe it is kind of, I guess my, my take on that. So I do think that it's, 100% possible, yeah. but I think that you also have to do the work yeah. on, uh, for yourself yep. to, to get there.
0: Yep. Yep. Amen. I agree. Um, all right. So I want to back up here a little bit. Let's go back to, we talked about kind of um, where you are right now. Let's start at the beginning because I feel like the beginning. The but, beginning. Cool. Right. <laughs> for better or for worse, forms the foundation for the rest of our life. Right? Yeah. So tell me about your childhood years as a youth. What are your earliest memories as a child growing up? Were they good, bad, summer in between? And what do you wanna be when you're growing up? Was it a traditional things, you want to be a ballerina or did you uh, wanna be a you know, a corporate icon? So
1: Rob, i my answers on this are gonna be boring because to be honest, I don't have I don't have a great memory. So my, yeah. like, I was an only child. Yeah. Um, my parents, who I adore and are both here in St. Louis, and we get to see all the time and have been to all the races and yeah. work all of our events and everything. Um, they, uh, you know, I had two parents who worked um, worked hard and... Um, they both, they both had huge families. So probably the one thing, like, you know, I was an only child my mom is the oldest of seven and my dad is one of five. these big families. And and I did spend a lot of time with all of them, but it was definitely different because it was just me and my parents. Um, So, you know, definitely an only child of like two parents who valued hard work and education. And so, you know, a lot of my, like, I did lots of Things and reading and they had me engaged in all kinds of things and and i think i grew up that way i think it i tended towards it naturally anyway but um i don't remember a lot of my childhood
0: um well that's good not to have any like drama that you can specifically oh no
1: huge yeah, yeah yeah
0: um part of my backstory is that uh my parents got divorced when i was young and just growing up i don't know if it's the natural way that we deal with things, but I never thought that it was that big of a deal that they got divorced until I got older and uh, was part of a group that kind of helped take a look at your past and yeah. figure out how it shapes and impacts. And I realized that it's my parents getting divorced had a much bigger impact on me than I realized. Um, probably the, the the biggest thing is the uncertainty mm-hmm. about what was going to happen with my parents then ends up translating into impacting uncertainty about um, how well are, regardless of what your parents are saying that they love you just the uncertainty of feeling like you're you're really loved when just that type of drama is going on so my parents divorce I think had a much bigger impact on me than than I would have said even as short as a couple of years ago really? going, ah well you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah so so that's good that you don't have any type of major drama that you're that you can cite um, how about school like, Grade school, high school, college years. What were those like? Were those fun years? Challenging years? Were you popular, unpopular? Did you fit into any (laughs) clique? And uh, I'll save the last question for after you answer these. Oh,
1: oh boy. Um, All right. Well, uh, being a St. Louis person, I'll give you the names. I I was in private schools going through, so I went to the Wilson School for grade school. I was at Villa for high school. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved all my school experiences. Mm -hmm. I was definitely, um, though I am... definitely an extrovert now i was probably quiet quieter growing up um but you know always like i liked being um probably like any kid certainly by the time you get into high school like being like everyone else like you just want to like have a group and i always like i value um feeling uh safe and like comfortable. And so smaller groups were always better for me. I ran in high school and, you know, going into college. So for sure in that setting, like you have a close knit group and, you know, and (laughs) running still today, not exactly the most popular sport. Um, so, you know, but I think I had a great group of friends and love that. Like I was not, The wild, no surprise to anyone who knows me. Not the wild, like partying type. The like sweet one, very innocent. Everyone, you know, knew that and loved that, but definitely not.
0: uh, There are no pictures of you like wearing a a lampshade or anything like that. (laughs) No,
1: no, no. Pretty, pretty tame runner type for sure. Uh,
0: So, is that how and where and when you got involved with running?
1: Yeah. 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 Well, my, so my dad ran when I was younger and then in grade school, we would like run the mile and do the presidential physical fitness, all that stuff, you know, kid of the eighties. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's how it started. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and then how about peer pressures? Any type of, did you find that you were subjected to peer pressure during that, that age growing up? No, (laughs) I was too boring. I think. That's good. Um, how about your faith walk? Mm. Real personal? Did you look forward to it during that stage and season of your life? Or did you feel like it was more obligatory, duty-based, non-existent? Or maybe somewhere in between?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. My parents were, you know, I went to a um, Catholic all-girls high school. Um, My parents were not super connected to religion. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say my mom's very spiritual. They were both raised Mm -hmm. Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, But they didn't have as much connection to it. So I had to find my way whatever I wanted to do with it on my own, which I think was actually fine for Mm me that it didn't ever get forced down my throat at all in any way, other than to have like some kind of foundation of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really interestingly though, I would say that my values and like world beliefs are a bit more liberal than Catholicism. Mm -hmm. I always related well to the, um, ritual and the routine, like, cause I re I'm a very type, a very perfectionist, like structured person. So I Catholicism is really ritualistic, like very like, and I don't say that with a negative sense. I say it in like, you know what to expect. It's the same every time it's the, and I love that's a very traditional, very like, and that always just appealed to me. Um, Though I, some of the, a lot of the values do not appeal to me, Um, but I think I just found a lot of, um, also every time I visited my grandparents, and like, you know, and they they were the Catholics of the 1940s and 50s, and that was even more, like, based in, like, these very traditional, like, you did the same thing, and I just loved that, so it contained a lot of, like, memories and traditions, and so... You know i found my own version of that and i actually loved it and still love it um in a way that i think like with everyone you make a hybrid of what you're what works for you um and i strongly believe that though um i'm happy to have conversations with people about like their version of it it's it's everyone's own like it's everyone's own personal experience, and so I don't really need to defend it, or you know what I mean. Yeah. I think yeah. for me, that's no, I that's been a thing. But um.
0: um so you talk about worldview. If I were to ask you, like, what's your ultimate source of truth? What do you rely on for, like, what's right and wrong? What would you say is? What would you base it on? Like, there are some people. It's like they. It's kind of. It's um. It could be Oprah Winfrey. It would be like their (laughs) ultimate source. Other people would say that it's the Quran or maybe the Bible Mm. or their feelings Mm -hmm. or whatever their media peer group. What do you think shapes and forms the foundation of your worldview? Ultimately, what you believe is right and wrong.
1: Um... Well, without like naming a source of it, I do believe in God and certainly like but but I would say that love is always the answer. it is mm-hmm. always the answer to everything, mm-hmm. and that's that's my like worldview on where it all comes from that source of like infinite it is love one hundred percent it is the answer to everything yeah.
0: thank you um, okay, so we're at the end of your high school college years. Any major milestones, turning points in life, or in hindsight, what do you think was or were your major challenges growing up during this season of life? How they impact or shape you for your next season of life?
1: You mm-hmm. kind of
0: alluded to the fact that um, being a runner,
1: yeah, I and I grew up in that that um, you know runner culture. Also, as a teenage girl, mm-hmm. also to be clear, very predisposed, um, you know, genetically to have an eating disorder. And I got, I was Mm -hmm. real sick for high school and college and even post collegiate. Um, and I think it, you know, it impacts everything. So half of the reason I didn't do anything fun was because I was so sick that, you know, you don't do anything anymore. Um, but, but in seriousness, I mean, you end up, um, those things again, it's kind of, it's like I was saying when I was saying that Ben and I have the best, the best and worst of like, you know, going through a relationship at middle age, um, it's the same thing for struggling with something that significant early on. The worst of it is that you get really, really sick. And it took a long time for the people around me to recognize that it was so bad, which I only say is worse because knowing now, many years later, what research shows, especially in eating disorders, certainly probably in any mental illness, but um, that the longer it takes to get appropriate treatment like the higher chance you have of not ever being able to like they've just shown that outcomes are much better if it's caught really early and we know that now it's 2021 i don't know that that was out quite then but um anyway as a result where i was going with that was i think the best and worst is um you're probably forced to deal with a lot of stuff that otherwise people might not get to later in life because you're you know you basically are waving this giant white flag you know, for lack of a better term and, and screaming help without being able to say what it is, you're showing it right. You're showing it very clearly that something's really, really wrong. And so someone has to do something about it at that point because.
0: So who did somebody notice and jump in and intervene?
1: Oh, many times over, but by the, I think it was by the time I was in college, I was in, you know, residential treatment centers and in and out of doing all that stuff. And, um, You know, and those formalized treatment settings are huge, huge, um, but they don't fix everything either. They kind of get you a jump start. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, and and yeah, it's just a process. It's a really long process, and I don't wish it on anyone (laughs) for sure.
0: So if you saw that in some of the runners that you know, would you be comfortable um, advising or at least sharing your story? I'm at the stage in season of my life now where, I'm not really trying to fix anybody or change anybody, but I'm happy to share my story and how it's impacted me and how it could potentially impact another person. And so that's kind of like a fine line sometimes based upon how well you trust and know somebody. Plus, I firmly believe in the nudging and the prompting of the Holy Spirit to sometimes act in an area where I wouldn't normally feel comfortable acting. Mm -hmm. How about having gone through that experience
1: yeah that's a that's a really good question um one I'm always I at this point um I certainly guard information mostly if it's not my own story completely but I'm also really open I don't have any anything to hide um one because I've lived in St. Louis so long I feel like everyone knows (laughs) (laughs) um, but also because I really like I you know many years later and everyone still has their struggles but I don't somehow someone's got to end the stigma that comes along with all this and any part i can play in that to not keep hiding things because they're not worthy of being hidden is always important to me um but to that end yeah i'm always happy to share my story and i'm really open about it but i also know um you're not really going to get anyone anywhere that they don't want to be and so i'm um I think what you said is right if if it's like a, a point where you realize it's a it's a worthy time to share and you can tell that someone's either struggling and open to or would be helpful yeah but um approaches when just like you probably know there's something wrong but they're not there yeah. I don't know I'm not sure I I'm not sure it would have served me and I don't know. I heard a great quote just the other day on a podcast I was listening to and the, it was about addiction. It wasn't about eating disorders, Mm -hmm. but it was basically the person saying that they'd been approached many times saying, how did you help your sister? How did you help her, you know, recover from her addiction? How did you blah, blah, blah. And she said, I want to make this really clear. There is no other person who ever helped, prayed, loved, you know, did anything to get someone out of that. They, they, they did it themselves or they didn't and so i i believe too that it i'm I'm always happy to share but i don't people got to do it themselves unfortunately there's no one else that gets them there there's no one else that can make that final choice and then sometimes even someone gets some help and it doesn't they can't take it or they doesn't last and so it's gotta it's gotta be your choice at the end unfortunately (laughs)
0: yeah um so that's the end of college for you um so now i want to transition to the next season of life your post-college talk about your career how did you choose your current career path namely tell me more about the path to go st louis Um, and then who are some of the influences maybe a parent teacher friend major event in your life that kind of pointed you towards this ultimate um, business that you run go st louis
1: Oh, that's the uh, the story of Go St. Louis. That's a, I haven't told this one in a while. So um, I went to WashU and was local at Washington University. And um, I was running, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and
0: did you run far, WashU?
1: F- only for a bit.
0: Okay. I was pretty sick, too. Yeah, it's <laughs>
1: um, uh, yeah, the unfortunate thing that kind of taints the whole story of that era. Um, but I. Uh, Nancy Lieberman, who was the founder of the organization, which was not called Go St. Louis in the early years. It was, the, I think, 99 of the years, 99 or 2000, um, had had her f- first marathon in downtown St. Louis. So the St. Louis Track Club, this is the history of running in St. Louis, right? St. Louis Track Club had had a marathon. They had let it go for a couple of years. Um, forgive me, anyone who's listening. I think <laughs> Tom Eckleman's probably the only person who knows any of this anymore. Um, I love Tom dearly. Um <laughs> but uh so they had kind of let it go and then nancy decided with a group of people around her some of whom are still with me today working on our board um that she was gonna pick it back up again we were gonna have a marathon again and so i had run my first marathon um in chicago this has to be year 2000 and then like the week later heard that St. Louis was having this marathon so that I would go volunteer. My dad and I went downtown to volunteer. And so this was Nancy's first event. And um, like the day after it, I had such a great time. I think we worked at a water station. And I was so excited. I thought, well, like I'll tell her, I'll write her a letter and tell her I want to be her intern. Cause I'm at WashU. So
0: good I don't
1: it. even think it was an email. I yeah. think it was a letter <laughs> letter. It was, it was 2000. Um, so I sent her a letter and she called me at my dorm phone there were no cell phones quite yet either and um said yeah and it was she was running the place out of her spare bedroom in her condo um it was just her and so I came and I was her intern at 19 years old Wow! and that literally is like the rest is history I interned for her until I got out of school um she gave me a job at 22. Mm-hmm. I worked there for a couple of years. Um, Drew, my ex husband, and I, at that point, um, were kind of together ish. And then, um, so I did move out of town for like two years for his career. Mm-hmm. And then, honestly, at like 27, 28, I was back in St. Louis working for Nancy again. Um, we came back. I worked for, was, yeah, 2008, um, worked for her all those years and then was a part of the process when she decided to retire and they did a full search and all the transition stuff that they should do. But ultimately that process picked me to lead the organization. And I mean, it really has been one of those stories that people are like, is that like Really all happened. And like, so I've honest to God been working for go St. Louis (laughs) with the exception of those three years since I was 19. Yeah. Yeah. which is kind of a crazy story that doesn't happen much
0: anymore that is um and so is is go st louis is it a corporation and we are a
1: nonprofit. okay yeah <clears throat> yeah
0: gotcha um so how about rewards in your current field and challenges would have been like some of the major
1: oh man rewards is easy i mean i'm so lucky that i'm in a job where not only again because of the story you just heard like I know everyone knows Go St. Louis and I yeah. within Go St. Louis have known um, and I, it, it's just a g- lucky feeling it can also be bad because I get yelled at a lot yeah. um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but like to get to stand at finish lines like we just had the KD82 relay yeah. uh, a couple weeks ago and to get to stand there and have people know my name and walk yeah. up and tell me what a great time they had yeah. you know on the, on the, the easy side to like some of these more incredible stories where they're so grateful that they got to do their first marathon or like, I mean, God, you can't think of a better job no, where you get to cool. hear that yeah. as like your reward yeah. for, um, the work you're putting in. It just really doesn't get better than that. Um, on the challenging side, uh, <laughs> we've had a lot of really rough years. Um, we've had, even before the pandemic, oh, we've really? had races get flooded out. Mm-hmm. Um, routes get changed we've had to cancel events because i mean you know event planning is hard event planning outside is even harder because you're just subject to like all of these conditions and um but and it is always i don't know that people think this but it is always a misconception that this is a glamorous fun job it is a (laughs) lot of manual labor like race management is really dirty hard work um and it is pretty thankless except when you get all the things to the people. Yeah. So the leading up to it. It's just tough. It's a hard job. Yeah.
0: So. Um, so do you have a particular race that you're particularly fond of? That's kind of like your favorite race,
1: you know, um, probably honestly, the KDD two that we just did mm-hmm. is the one that's the most fun yeah. because while it's logistically complicated and it's a really, really long day, we're up for like 25 yeah. hours straight, yeah. um, working on it. Uh, It's also just the most fun because compared to the stress and like really intensity of like the marathon Mm -hmm. um it's really low-key and so and you also like i feel like it's like it's an 82 mile tailgate party and we get to be a part of it like the runners are having as much fun as we're having like we're really getting to enjoy them we're at the finish line we're working still but it's not that breakneck pace and crazy stress of the marathon so i love it it's just a blast and then we all stay in herman after we finish cleaning up and Get up the next morning and tell all the stories and have breakfast before yeah. the whole crew goes home, which is fun. Yeah. Um, so that's probably my favorite.
0: So how do you come up with the different ideas for like mm. the KD82 and then you got the, the Halloween and then the, the, the big go St. Louis race. How do you, how do you come up with those ideas?
1: Well, I think race management has been certainly an evolution over the last couple of years. People are um, looking for new experiences and they're actually. The key order's is experiences. I think mm-hmm. racing mm-hmm. has been consistent for a mm-hmm. while, like the marathon's never gonna go away. Mm-hmm. But the other events, I feel like, are really experience-based at this point. Yeah. So during the pandemic, we put on, um, you were there, an event mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Certainly, partially, that was out of necessity. We were looking for somewhere we could be outside and host this thing. We were trying to stay in St. Louis County because you couldn't yeah. get a permit, you know? Yeah. And so we ended up at Cedar Lake Cellars, this venue out in Warren County, but what you realize in doing these things is, like, people, they wanted to do something fun. Yeah. They wanted to run, but then they wanted to be out there with their family, with their friends, and yeah. be at this cool venue. So it's the, you're, you're trying to build people's experience yeah. at this point, I think. And so ideas that do that are the ones that stick, I've yeah. found.
0: Yeah, good. Um, in terms of different people that you'd like to thank for helping you along the way.
1: <laughs> wow. <clears throat> um, I mean, of course, you're going to go back to your parents, my parents, Mm -hmm. um, and, and continue to be supportive of everything I do and have certainly shaped me. Um, and, um,
0: that's good because some people might not. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, And I
1: give, they have both, um, you know, it's funny because I am this like very type A perfectionist, but I don't feel like those are inherent things. No one, those are not things that were, were forced on me. And I feel like my parents have always been supportive and responsive to any direction I've gone. Um, uh, And, and even when I'm really hard on myself, that was from me, not them. And I'm, I'm grateful for that because it's given me like the, the perspective to know that Like, you know, those are things I'm working on, and they've been the ones to say, like, no, Mona, stop being so hard on yourself. So I've had, um, they've been great in that. Um, more recently, honestly, I have to say, like, I am so grateful to have three kids around me all the time who remind me to not take myself so seriously, to not, um, To not, like, I don't know, I think they've given me such a unique perspective, and um, of course I would thank them, and honestly, you know, Rob, it's, it's such a good question, but also, like...
0: You probably and have a so long list wonderful of people, people, that, people, right? If and you started I, with one, then you'd have yeah.
1: You and I'm such a I'm right. such a people person. <laughs> like I just if there's the reason that I said like to me like the the one thing that is everything is love. Like it it's yeah. it is everything. It's yeah. because I just love people. Like yeah. the people I'm around, the people like I um, I always say that I don't do anything like halfway and it goes for the people too. Like yeah. I don't love acquaintance friends. I'm either like I want to be all in right. with my yeah. friends in a relationship. That's why I didn't date like, you know, date yeah. around well. Like I'm a hundred percent in, but when you get me, you get all of me. Yeah. So then as a yeah. result, the people who have been around me, um, the people who've been around for the last five years when I was a disaster and, you know, the friends who I run with that yeah. Kathy and, and Cece and Stephanie who I was talking about, like Some of those days were dragging me out the door to just get Mm -hmm. out and do that. All of those people like, um, you know, I'm just so grateful that I've always been, and and it changes over the years, right? They're not all the same the whole time and people come and go in your life, but for all of them, like I'm very good at like really close relationships. Like (laughs) I do it really well. I have an intensity to
0: that probably, but, um, so do you actually have a best friend at this stage season of life? Oh
1: God, I've got so many. That's the thing. Um, Sure, I mean, I think all my running friends are some of my closest friends, some of the people who, like, are around me as parents. I would say Ben is one of my, like, I mean, you know, people you can share with. But also, like, I'm really lucky. My mom, we're super close now. Like, I get to do that with a lot of people. So, Um, yeah. That's
0: good. Um, So, we're gradually starting to wind things down here. Um,
1: I feel like the questions are getting harder. No, maybe not. (laughs)
0: I'll start asking some yes no questions. About <laughs> oh, <this. laughs> oh,
1: okay. That's easier.
0: Um, what's most important to you in 2021? I feel like you've kind of alluded to this already, but and what are you most grateful for? It could be family, friends, running, God, career, health, peace of mind you name it.
1: What's most important in 2021?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. Well, You know, this continues to be an evolution for me and perhaps maybe the thing I've learned the most over... My mom used to say this to me and gosh darn it, she was right. Um, The things that we keep being presented with in life are generally the things that we have not finished working on Mm -hmm. yet. And so um, for me, the one that keeps showing up and that I continue to work on and I think in a year of a pandemic and also the season I'm, of life I'm in and in you know a now committed relationship with another person who you're looking at going okay we're gonna spend the next years doing this together mm-hmm. the thing that I see over and over is, is that um I really want to be like in the present moment it, it sounds cliche because everyone's no, talking about it, it now it does. I think but it's, um I, think I know I for me great. having um having lived life certainly with like you know, a lot of anxiety and eating disorder stuff and all of these things that I'm predisposed to like then bringing into it, um, you know, just a busy life that really, um, just being where I am right now and doing, doing this, you know, whether this is with kids, um, with a significant other, with whatever I think. And I, and I think I keep needing to learn it because man, will I, get in my head too much or um, get 20 miles ahead too much or um, be hard on myself too much. Like when you can really stay present to the fact that like just the moment you're in is really the only one you have. Um, I I think it's uh, they think that's, that's the most important thing for me right now. And it's definitely still the hardest thing for me to work (laughs) on. I'm not saying I'm any good at it, but it's, it's so important. I mean, we all lived that in the last year but I don't, I don't think people do it the way it, I I know I don't. But Do you think
0: you're getting better at being present in the moment?
1: Um, I do in pockets, mm-hmm. I guess in moments, yeah. <laughs> um, I do. Yep. I think that, um, for me, because I'm a pretty active person, I think that it was funny. I just had a conversation with Ben about this this morning. Um, movement, like physically getting out of my head and like getting up and moving walking running um those kind of things like not getting stuck in in thoughts and um that has helped me a lot and I do think those are big things but
0: running is so therapeutic in ways other than just physical Mm -hmm. what it does for you I think, like you mentioned, just mentally and emotionally, and then even relationally, when you have friends who love to run. Yeah. And um, so I feel very fortunate to have a group of, there's probably about a dozen of us who, on any given weekend, you know, my six, seven, or eight of us will yeah. be out running. And it's, I love to not only talk, but then also spend time just listening to the other conversations sure. yeah. and the miles, just sit by in there been friends not only in running but then also when real life happens to people and somebody has maybe uh, cancer or broken yep. bone and just the way people rally around one another and support yep. one another just totally yep. awesome the other thing that i've learned it you get to a certain season of life where it's more challenging to develop good friends mm-hmm. and running has just been this yeah. incredible venue to yeah, develop totally. healthy energetic, cheerleading, championing friends. It's just, oh my gosh, it's such a total blessing. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, So what's on your bucket list that you have to accomplish, see, or explore sometime within your lifetime? It can either be a trip, maybe something relational, like there's somebody in your past you need to forgive. It can be some sort of conquest, maybe a charity event, or something that you need to prove to yourself what's on your bucket list
1: well I don't I I don't have a big bucket list um there's one I keep saying and if I could get over this darn injury I would get closer to it but there is a race in Montana that is um a like mountain running event it's called the rut and it Mm -hmm. basically it's in big sky Montana um and There's, like, a promo video, and I've watched it, like, 900 times because I actually love trail running, um, and even more so than... Regular running does for me, road running. Um, getting out on a trail, mostly when I'm on my own, and yeah. like having that time is a really big thing for me. Probably gets me out of my head. And I think trail running gets you out of your head even more than road running is because you actually cannot pay attention to much, much else. You yeah. have to pay attention True. to yeah. just what you are physically doing right now. Road running, you can lose your head in a million yeah. things, right? Which is yep. good and can be a good time to think or talk. Um, the trail running you can't and I used to be a great trail runner um again coming off of two years of injuries but that that race is on my bucket list Mm -hmm. sometime in my 40s I am doing that race
0: yeah good love it um okay as we begin to wind things down again what sort of advice or encouragement would you have for others in a similar season of life or who have experienced some of the same challenges that you've faced in life
1: well, um, it's funny and you know, Rob, so i I just turned 40. And so the, the season of time when I was like in that divorce era, I was a little on the young end for people mm-hmm. who are, um, most people, it was like more towards the kids are in high school now, or it seems like, yeah. um, anyway, only to say I didn't really have any people around me who had already gone through it, but now mm-hmm. I am starting to have people around yeah. me who are going through it just yeah. because of our ages, I think, honestly. Um, and so I have gotten the chance to, to share some perspective. Again, only when asked, right? People don't want advice. <laughs> but, um, and I, I don't, it's not lucky to have to have friends who are going through that, but I have, you know, been able to give some insight. And I always think the two things, not sure I loved hearing them when I was in the middle of it, or not loved, but didn't believe hearing them, but that always were the truest were some days you just got to get through and all you got to do is get to the end of it, wake up tomorrow and it'll be better. Yeah. And I think that's, again, Amen. it's kind of on the same yep. line as like the being here now. Like, you know what? This feels like the worst thing you've ever done in your life, but it does not last. I promise it doesn't last no matter what it is. Yeah. All you got to do is physically get yourself through it and wake up tomorrow and it, it, it will get better yeah. no matter what it is.
0: Yeah. Who is the best marriage of anybody you know
1: oh god (laughs)
0: wow are there anybody are there any like marriages out there that you're like you know what that's what i want my marriage to look like i really they've loved one another through you know thick and thin through the hard times good times and that's the type of marriage i want to have that's the type of relationship i want to have
1: that is such a great question can i say the the i don't i don't have a real one it's the it's the um who's the couple on this is us, Sterling K Brown. And like every time I see, I can't remember the one. You know what I'm talking about?
0: I do. Yes, I do.
1: That's the one I want. No, I don't, (laughs) I don't know a real one. That's a, what a great question. And I don't, um, God, I'd have to give that some thought. Yeah. Fair enough. Do you have one?
0: Um, I am fortunate and blessed to have people at at different age groups. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will admit I'll, A lot of the marriages that I cite are couples that attend a church that I attend, Uh and um, there's really just an incredible couple who's a younger couple who have three kids, Wes and Natalie Fletcher, absolutely love them individually Mm -hmm. and love them as a couple, Mm -hmm. and they just have an awesome marriage where they truly love one another. They make time to get away for like um, retreats, couples retreats, Mm -hmm. where the kids don't necessarily come along, but they still... They value being parents, mm-hmm. they value each one another's marriage, and they also value their relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Then I have another couple on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, Steve and Mary Crawford, who are um, in their 60s, and at first, when I saw the way they interacted w- with one another, I thought they had been remarried and had only been married for five uh, years because they seemed to enjoy one another's yeah. company so much. And so to me, one of the things that I absolutely love to see in couples is when the wife still laughs at the husband's carny jokes <laughs> and, just, totally. and just genuine, and sincere. And so I have other marriages sprinkled between those two age groups that I look at and say, you know what, that is an awesome marriage. And that's something that I admire, respect. And just that's really, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, final question. What would you want to say to either the person or the people you love the most in life? Because you have said it all boils down to love. What do you want to say? What do I want to
1: say to them? Um, You know, I think uh, to all of those people, um, well, two things. One, uh, as a person who said that what I know I give most as my love language to bring this full circle, Rob, start us back Mm -hmm. at the beginning, um, as the, as acts of service, I would say that, um, as a person everything that i do in service to them is because of how much i love them so it's all for them like i am a person who i will say i wear it on my sleeve and those people i love this makes me start crying like i i would do anything for those people and i 100 percent believe that and on the other side i would um want to say thank you to for giving me um so much like joy and and fun i am not a person who like easily tend towards those moments of just like letting letting go um and so the people i have around me who can who when i stop being you know like taking care of people and like doing that that just like whether it's the kids or or ben or like i tend to have those people and 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 it is all the people around me who bring that out in me that like, just like those moments of like, just joy and fun yeah. and time. I just, I just love it. And yeah. that's, that's, so that's my favorite thing yeah. about all of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Isn't it great when you can be your true self with the people that you love the most and just feel comfortable being who you really are. Right, right. And they bring Absolutely. it out in you. They celebrate it. They enjoy it. They laugh when you laugh. They cry when you lie. Yeah. Cry as yes, those are, yeah, those are the type of friendships I have well, I have thoroughly appreciated getting to hear part of your story. Thoroughly appreciate enjoyed it. Um, to everybody out in Codville, thank you very much for listening. To a very special friend of mine, I love you dearly. And this has been another episode of Real Friends.
1: Thanks, Rob. It was wonderful. Thank
0: you.